Welcome to worship. I'm Pastor Jason. So glad you've joined us in worship today. Today, if you're worshiping with us for the first time, we say a special welcome to you. We'd love to send you a gift card. If you let us know you're here, we'll send that out to you. Today, we're kicking off a whole new sermon series called God is Our Refuge, where we're going to be looking at Psalm 46. If you've been with us for a long time, you know that you can go to schweitzer.church next and you can find all kinds of ways to grow deeper with this sermon and with the sermon series. You'll find questions for the sermon. You'll find places and people you can connect with to have conversations that really matter to your life and to your soul. Next up is Stephanie. She's going to share with us some ways we can connect and things that are happening this week at Schweitzer. Hi, I'm Stephanie. Next Saturday, April 30th, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., we are inviting all of the ladies to come away for a spiritual getaway at the Levitt Pinetum in Stratford. You will be encouraged in God's word as Pastor Bob Cassidy leads us. Plus, there will be lots of opportunities to get to know each other, enjoy lunch, and spend some time in reflection and exploring this beautiful outdoor setting. Sign up today online at schweitzer.church next or at the blue booth in the lobby. We are gearing up for an exciting lunch with our second season Cinco de Mayo Fellowship at 1130 on May the 5th. Wear your very best hat as we enjoy some themed food and hear from Garen Ferguson, CEO of Mexican Villa, as he shares how his family has served many generations right here in our community. You can sign up online at schweitzer.church next or at the blue booth in the lobby. Camping and canoeing season is upon us and we are excited to bring back our family outdoor adventure weekend, June 3rd through the 5th at Discovery Ministries and Eminence. If you love the outdoors, we want you to be sure and join us for camping, canoeing, and even zip lining activities. Be sure and sign up to reserve your spot in the lodge or campsite before May 15th. You can find out all the details online at schweitzer.church slash adventure. And a great way to keep up with this and everything else going on here at Schweitzer is by signing up for our e-news or checking out the next page. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let's continue with worship. Thanks, Stephanie. If you're worshiping live with us, we encourage you to take a moment, say hello to your friends in the chat feature. If you'd like prayer, somebody would be happy to pray with you. Now let's worship the Lord together on this fantastic new day that the Lord has given to us. Let's worship. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never fails. Our helper, he amid the flood, mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his ease. we in now 
Guiding our prayer is going to be the Psalm, Psalm 46, for the next several weeks. And the opening line is, God is our refuge and strength, and ever-present help in time of trial. Today, as we come to a time of prayer, I'd like for us, I'd like to invite you to, to think about the times in, the, in your life where God has been a strength and a refuge to you. I invite you to join me in a word and a prayer of thanksgiving for the ways that God has has surrounded us, that he's been with us, that he's comforted us, that he's borne us in his strength. Let's pray a prayer of thanksgiving together. As we continue in prayer, I also want to invite you to think about where you're at right now. And how do you need the Lord's wisdom, the Lord's strength, the Lord's power that goes beyond that which we have in ourselves? Where do you need God to be a refuge to you right now?
Kind Father, we give you thanks that you are our refuge and strength. There are many places where all of us can point to right now where we need your help, we need your hope, we need your healing to be at work in our lives. So we come before you in great thanksgiving and in humble in, in humble seeking that you would be our refuge and strength today. And now we join our voices to pray that prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, this is the first week after Easter, the first Sunday of celebrating resurrection. Well, we're going to take a quick look back to see um, what that celebration of Easter was like with Schweitzer. So let's take a look. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. sins. The curtain of the temple was torn in two. His appearance was like lightning, his clothes white as snow. If anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. By his wounds, you have been healed. That was fantastic, wasn't it? Really awesome. Well, that was all made possible because people like you are generous with your tithes and offerings. That's a part of the way you worship God. So we're thankful for your continued worship of of the Lord, your generous giving, the ways in which things happen here through Schweitzer. They impact this community and the world. Uh, You can give today by going to schweitzer.church slash give or by using the church app. Thanks again for your generosity. Now, let's take a listen to Spencer and Psalm 46. Welcome today. My name is Spencer. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, Today, we're going to start a brand new series called God is My Refuge, as we're going to do a deep dive into one passage of scripture. It's Psalm 46. It's 11 verses. We're going to spend the next five weeks going over these 11 verses to learn how God is our refuge. He is our covering. He is our protection. And whatever it is that we face in life, we can trust in the Lord. 
Now, Psalm 46, we're just going to jump into this today. Here's how it goes, starting in verse 1. It says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And then verse 11, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And so this is where we're gonna be for the next five weeks, these 11 verses, unpacking these to learn how God is our refuge. Now, as we start this, I have a challenge for you. I wanna wanna challenge you that as we go through this series the next five weeks, I wanna challenge you to try to memorize these 11 verses. Now, we're going to read these every week, but also if you could read these maybe on your own throughout the week or, or write them down, you'll you'll work on memorizing these. And when was the last time you memorized Scripture? I mean, for some of us, maybe it was when we were kids in Sunday school or maybe others of us, maybe never. <laughs> We've never memorized Scripture, but, but the Bible teaches us that we need to hide the Scripture in our heart. And one of the ways that we do this is by memorizing it. So as we go through this series, we're going to read the same 11 verses every single week. Let's work together on memorizing these verses and see what it is that God does as we really hide these verses in our hearts. Now, usually when we go through these series, we read verses like these, we, we a lot of times will go through a passage and just kind of go through it line by line as we work through our series. And in, and in this series, we're going to do this differently. Instead of going through this line by line, we're going to look at five big themes, big ideas, five big ideas that we see in Psalm 46 about how God is our refuge and we can trust him no matter what's going on in life. And so um, as we do that, though, this week, I say we're going to not go line by line, but this week we, we are going to start with the very first line because the very first verse, it is one of the five big ideas that it's so important, it's so encouraging, and it's, it's just so good. So Psalm 46, one, here's where we're going to be today. Psalm 46, one, God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. So this is where we're going today. We're going to talk about how God is our refuge. He's our strength. He's our trouble. He's our, our, our help in trouble. And so as we, as we go through this, we're going to explore this truth, how God is our, our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Now, if you were to read through the Psalms, there's 150 of them. If you were to read through the Psalms, you would see this word refuge used over and over and over again uh, throughout the Psalms. Let me just give you a few idea, a few examples of this because it's all over the place. In fact, it's almost in like a third of all of the Psalms that you read about how God is our refuge. And so just a few examples here. So Psalm 5, verse 11. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Psalm 7. Lord, my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me or they will tear me apart like a lion and rip me to pieces like no one to rescue me. Psalm 9. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Psalm 18, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Psalm 31 says, in you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. 
deliver me in your righteousness. I'm going to stop there. That's five examples of how you see this uh, idea of refuge expressed throughout the Psalms. I'm going to stop there because there's 37 more examples in the 150 Psalms. Like, like this is one of those ideas that if you read through the Psalms, it'd almost be like the Psalms are like, hey, 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 pay attention. Listen up. Like, don't forget this. This is a really big, big idea. This is a really big point that God is our refuge. That God is our strength. And you see this repeated over and over and over and over again in the Psalms. And of course, as you see it repeated over and over and over again, this is also something that's telling us about the the nature and the character of God. Because you see it so often and you see it repeated with such frequency, it's, it's telling us something about what God is like. That God is like a refuge. That he is our covering. He is our protection. He, he is the one who doesn't fail us. and He will keep us safe. He will protect us even in the midst of the storms of life. God will be with us. And this leads me to a um, very important but not very profound observation about what it means for God to be our refuge. So let me, let me offer you a very important but not very profound observation about this. So when we say uh, that God is our refuge, you know, one of the things that we're saying is that we need a refuge. And I warned you, that wasn't very profound, and it's definitely not very profound, but just think about that for a second. As we say that God is our refuge, we're, we're confessing the need that we have for a refuge. And, and this is important because sometimes you might be around other Christians, or maybe you'll hear other preachers, and sometimes you'll hear other Christians or preachers talk about how, you know what, if you just had faith, well, life's going to go well. If you just had faith, God's going to heal you. If you just had faith, God's going to give you all the money you need. If you just had faith, you know, God's going to provide in all these kind of different kind of ways. If you just had faith, and, and of course, the converse of that is, well, if you're struggling, you must not have enough faith. And this is a, a message that you might hear from other Christians or other preachers from time to time. And maybe you've heard that before. I know I have. But as you think about this, this truth, though, to say that God is our refuge is to confess that we, we need a refuge. And, and you need a refuge not because life is good and easy and God has solved all your problems, but you need a refuge when life is hard. Like, you need a shelter when there's a storm. You need a fortress when there's an enemy. You, you need a refuge when there is something that you need to be protected from. And so as we call God our refuge, we're not saying that God is going to make life easy and we're not going to have any struggles or suffering or setbacks or anything like that. What we're really saying is that in the midst of whatever storms we might experience, we can still trust God. In the midst of the trouble, God is still able to provide for us. Like this is what we start to talk about. And this is an important point because that's a, that's a challenging lesson for a lot of us. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, a, a lot of us really only trust God up until the point of our circumstances. But as we confess God as our refuge, we're, we're saying that, you know what, even when the circumstances of our life are difficult, we're still going to trust God. He's still able to provide for us even in the midst of the storm. When I, was, uh, when I was in seminary, I took this course way back when um, on, uh, it was in Malaysia, and it was studying the, the Christian mission in a Muslim context. 
So Malaysia is in Southeast Asia. I spent some time there and we were studying the, like, what does it, what does it look like to be a faithful Christian mission in the midst of a Muslim context? Because Malaysia is a mostly uh, Muslim nation. In fact, in Malaysia, there are these uh, anti-conversion laws, meaning that you, you couldn't change your faith. Whatever you were born into, that is the faith that you were required to keep. And, and it was like government listed that you were, you were of this faith. You were Christian, you were Hindu, you were Buddhist, whatever it might be. And in fact, on your government ID, on your driver's license, it was listed what religion you were. So it's like, you know, Height, weight, eye color, religion. I mean, it's hard for us to grasp, but this is, this is how it was. And the only religion that you could change to would be you could change to Muslim, but you couldn't change to any other faith. And so I was taking this course and we were, we were studying what does it look like to be a faithful Christian witness in a, in a Muslim culture and, and what this, this, this particular country looks like. And uh, I, in the midst of this course, I, I met with this man who was working to plant churches throughout Malaysia. Like this was his organization. He was trying to plant churches, new churches, throughout this country with anti-conversion laws. Now, the reason you plant a new church, the reason you start a new church, is so that you can reach new people and lead new people to faith in Christ. That's why you do it. It's an evangelism tactic. And so I I met with this guy and I was talking to him about this. And and it was so hard for me to wrap my mind around because I was like, okay, you're trying to lead this organization whose sole purpose is to lead new people to Christ, which is against the law. And your organization exists to plant these new churches with have new converts, which is against the law. And I just, like, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. It was so hard for me to understand because it was so far from my context and my understanding of, of the world and, and what it was like. And, and so finally, I was just like, I, I was with him for a long time, but I, I was struggling to understand just, just what he faced. And so I finally just asked him a really simple question. I said, how can I pray for you? Because I, I didn't know what to say. I was just like, how can I pray for you? And his answer that he came back with, I mean, it has been years and years and years and years since I took this course, but his answer that he came back with is something that I still think about on a regular basis because it was so challenging to me and it was so different than what I would have expected him to say. So I asked him, how, how can I pray for you? And I expected him to say something like, pray for the, the laws of this nation to be changed. Pray for an election that's coming up. We might get new leaders in place so that, so that we can have freedom. That's what I was kind of expecting him to say because that's what I would have said. And it's like, pray for the circumstances that we're facing. Pray for those to change and for those things to become easier. And instead, he said this. He said, he said pray that we would have the boldness to share the gospel no matter what. I mean, it still blows me away. Still blows me away because here's a man who's trusting God past his circumstances. Not up to the point of his circumstances. He's not looking for an easy life. He's not looking for his life to be the determining factor of, of, of God's goodness or power in the world. He, he's trusting God into what's uncomfortable. He's trusting God into trouble. He's trusting God past what he can understand and see and what's comfortable and easy. And he's trusting God that, that even in the midst of the storm, God is going to be my refuge. Like this is Psalm 46.1. Not that my life is easy, not that I have no struggles or suffering or troubles or anything like that, but rather that even in the midst of the storm, I can still trust God, that he's still my refuge. This last, uh, this last year, I read uh, a great book by uh, 
uh, author Tish Harrison Warren. I, I offered it to a lot of people to, to read. And, and uh, in this book, she tells the story of, of one of her friends, her friends Julie with her and her husband uh, Hunter. And, and in this book, she, uh, she offers this. I want to read this to you because I just found this so, so encouraging. But she wrote this. Uh, she said, my friend Julie is an artist. Her watercolors hang in my kitchen. And years ago, when her son was very young, he had to have surgery. Like any parents whose child is going under the knife, my friends were anxious. Before the nurses wheeled their infant son into the operating room, Julie looked at her husband, Hunter, and said, I want to read this quote to you here. This is so good. We'll put it on the screens. He said, we have to decide right now whether or not God is good. Because if we wait to determine that by the results of the surgery, we will always keep God on trial. How great is that line? We will always keep God on trial. If, if the circumstances of my life are the determining factor for whether I can trust God or not, I'm always going to keep God on trial. If I can only trust God up to the point of my circumstances, then I'm always going to keep God on trial. Like this is such a good line. Now Warren goes on and she writes this. She says, when Julie sat in a hospital waiting room, as surgeons carved her son's tender skin, she committed herself to deciding whether God could be trusted, regardless of the result of the surgery. She had to decide if she believed these claims that Christianity makes about God's goodness. She quit the poker game, folded her cards, and decided to trust a God who did not guarantee that bad things would not happen to her or her son. But this was not an arbitrary decision, not a leap in the dark. She was not simply ratcheting herself up to affirm the goodness of God in spite of contrary evidence. She did look to evidence, though not the evidence of her life, nor the tally of the amount of good in the world versus the amount of evil. Instead, she looked at the life of, of Jesus. And it's on this story that she anchored her decision about whether she could trust God without knowing what would happen next. Gosh, this is so helpful. I mean, this is such a good Good illustration, because you see here the reason why we can make the Lord our refuge, the reason why we can trust God with whatever it is that we face. And, and, and it's a trust that we can have even when the storms of life are brewing, even when the circumstances of our life are not easy and comfortable and nice, we can still trust God. And the reason we can do this has nothing to do with our life, because the evidence of God's goodness, of God's trustworthiness is not us. The evidence of God's goodness and trustworthiness and faithfulness is not my life and the circumstances of my life. The evidence of the trustworthiness of God, the reason why I can trust him is because our trust is built on the foundation of the gospel itself. I mean, we can trust God. We can make him our refuge, not because of us, but because of what he's already done. Because God so loved the world, that he so loved you, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, or rather trusts in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the reason we can trust him. It's the foundation of the gospel itself. Because, because we believe that God gave his own son for us, and his son defeated death, and the grave is now empty. And based on this is the, we, is the reason we can trust him. So if, if you believe the message of the gospel, that God loves you in particular. And if you believe that God gave his own son, that he was born of a woman, he lived as a man, and that he gave his life on behalf of everyone, if you believe that, 
And if you believe that on the third day he rose again and that the grave is actually empty, like if you believe that, then listen, you can trust God no matter what you're facing. Because the evidence of his trustworthiness is not your life and your circumstances, but rather it is what he has already done. The evidence is the cross and the empty grave. The evidence is the gospel. Someone who knew this well was uh, Martin Luther. Martin Luther, of course, is, is the, was the spark that started the Protestant Reformation. I don't know if you know his story very well, but if you don't, it's an incredible story. It's an incredibly inspiring story. So Martin Luther was a, was, was a priest and a monk, but he didn't have faith. And I know that's a strange thing to say, that someone could be a priest and a monk, but did not have faith. But this is who he was. In the 1500s, he didn't have faith, uh, but he was living this religious life. But because he was a priest and a monk, Martin Luther um, had access to the Bible. And this was in a day and age where most people didn't have access to the Bible because the Bible wasn't translated into common language and, and the church kept the Bible from people. But, but Luther, as he was a monk and a priest, he had access to the Bible. And so he started to read the Bible and study the Bible. And as he did, he discovered the good news of the gospel. He discovered this message of, of salvation by grace through faith. And he started to preach this and teach this, that this is the, the good news of the gospel. This is what God has given us. And it sparked this revival that we call the Protestant Reformation that changed history. And like we're here today because of this message that he preached and that he was able to share in the world. And so, and so this is also a thing that, that made him enemies with so many people because in his day and age, the Roman Catholic Church that controlled the state and it controlled the, the church, um, their message was one of penance and good works and righteousness and that kind of way. And, and so in the Roman Catholic Church, one of the things that they would do is they would sell the forgiveness of sins. It was called the selling of indulgences. So just imagine that for a second. Like you've sinned and instead of trusting God for forgiveness and repenting and confessing your sin to him, instead what you do is you go to church and you would pay the priest to offer you forgiveness of sins. Like this is big business. And so the priests were raking in all this money to pay for people to have their sins forgiven and they would send it to the Vatican and they built St. Peter's Basilica based on this selling of indulgences and Luther shows up and he's like, no, 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 this is not the gospel. The gospel is not that you pay God to be forgiven. The gospel is that he gave his own son for you, that you might be forgiven. This is the New Testament truth that it's by grace through faith that we're saved and that this is what God has done for us. And, and this message, how, while it might sound really natural to us at the time, was an incredibly dangerous message. In fact, this put Luther in all kinds of trouble because he, he was now standing opposed to the most powerful person on earth, which was the Pope. And so Luther had to go into hiding and a lot of his friends had to go into hiding. And, and essentially, if, if you were somebody who was being faithful in that day and was living in the gospel and understood the grace of God that was before you, this would have been an incredibly dangerous time to be faithful to the Bible. Like if you were basing your trust of God on your circumstances, you couldn't have used your circumstances to, to trust God. You wouldn't have done it because if you had only trusted God up to the point of your circumstances, this has been a hard time. You, you wouldn't have trusted God at all. And so it was during this time, though, that Luther understood, you know, I, I can't just trust God when life is easy. I can't just trust God when life is going well for me. I'm going to trust God in the midst of the storm. That's what it means for God to be a refuge. In fact, one of the places that Luther in particular found strength and comfort in the midst of his struggles while he was hiding and while some of his friends were being killed for their message was he found strength specifically in Psalm 46. Really, this first verse even that God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. 
This became for Luther a, a call to trust God no matter what it was that, was this, that they were facing. In fact, Luther wrote a song about this particular verse. And this song became his most favorite, famous hymn. I want to read to you just a couple stanzas of this song, but here's, here's how it went. Luther wrote this. He said, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be, Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Saboeth is his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. And the song goes on with several more stanzas, but I wanted you to, to catch this. This is the, the words to Luther's most famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, built off of Psalm 46, verse 1. And the background of this psalm, though, this, this hymn that he writes, this is what's so encouraging and so, and so helpful, is that the background of this hymn is, is not an easy life. He's writing this from hiding. He's writing this with trouble. He's writing with all kinds of struggles. In fact, a lot of people believe that the real reason why Luther wrote that hymn was because one of his best friends was killed, was, was martyred for their faith. It's in the midst of the storm that we can still trust God. Psalm 46, verse 1. Let's read it one more time. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. The promise of Scripture is not that God is going to prevent all trouble from hitting your life. And if you have faith, you can expect trouble to still happen. If you have faith, you can expect the storms to still come. But it's in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the struggles, that you are going to find a covering, a protection, a refuge that you can hold on to. And one that's going to hold on to you no matter what it is that the circumstances of your life might look like. And the evidence of why you can trust him. And the evidence of why you can follow him. And the evidence of why you can still believe him no matter what your life may look like is not you, but rather it is the cross. It is the empty grave. The evidence that God is our refuge. The evidence that God is our strength. The evidence that God is our ever-present help in trouble, is that he gave his one son for all of us. And after three days, after being crucified, he came alive. This is the evidence, it's the foundation of the gospel itself. Let's pray together. And so Father, today as we consider this very first verse from Psalm 46.1, that you are our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble, we acknowledge the simple truth that it's even in the midst of the storms that you are still with us. That you don't leave us, you don't forsake us. And no matter what our lives might look like, no matter what we might carry, no matter what secrets we might have, no matter what sin we might struggle with, no matter what grief we might feel, you are still our refuge. And we thank you that the evidence of your trustworthiness the evidence of your faithfulness. It's not our life and the circumstances of our life. It's simply what you have offered us already by giving your son on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. 
And so, Lord, today, we want to trust you. And for some of us, as we go through this, there are very specific things that we are thinking of. Specific storms, questions, doubts, fears that we have been struggling with and walking with. And today, we want to reaffirm our faith in you. And we're just going to say simply, Lord, would you be our refuge? Would you be our strength? Would you be our ever-present help in trouble? And no matter what we may be facing, would you give us the strength that we can rely on you in all circumstances of our life? And I pray for specifically for anyone who's with us today who doesn't understand and doesn't know the hope of the gospel. Because without the gospel, you can't live into this. And so, Lord, I pray today for anyone here who's with us who doesn't know this, may today be a day that they cross the line of faith and put their faith in Jesus, the resurrected one, with a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, would you forgive me my sins? Would you lead my life that I might trust you with absolutely everything? So God, we thank you and we love you for all that you've done in our life. Through your son, we pray. Amen. Hey friends, thanks for joining us in worship today. We're so glad you joined us. We're also thankful, grateful for the people who helped produce this worship experience. To Stephanie and to Spencer, to the team behind the scenes, to the worship team who helped us, who helped lead us in worship. We're so grateful for everyone's participation. If you were blessed today, we encourage you to take a moment, share this experience with a friend through social media, or find a way to, to share with them. That would be fantastic. We look forward to being with you in worship next week as we look at Psalm 46 again. It'll be week number two. Hope you have a great week. Hope you experience the real positive power of God being our refuge. May the Lord bless you greatly. Amen. Oh
Jesus.